Good morning. Uh, uh, let's continue in worship by going into by going into God's Word. We've worshipped Him in song, and uh, thank you for the songs that the worship team brought. Uh, we're going to be in First John again this morning, chapter two. But before we start, as I was praying this morning, I had a verse put on my heart. It's in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, I am, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. So I think um, this ver verse hit me particularly because thinking about that, you know, I'm a man of unclean lips, and uh, here I am, I'm going to be sharing God's, God's word with you. It's an awesome, an awesome responsibility. I appreciate the... Uh, the men who come forward and share the messages with the children, those that uh, teach teach from the pulpit, um, and it's about as we see in uh, in Isaiah and as we're going to see in First John, it's not about perfection because um, Ray, Barry, and others are good men, but they're not perfect, and none of us are perfect. But uh, praise God, He has a way for us to uh, to arrive at perfection to uh, Someday we will become perfect, but in the meantime, um, he's given us redemption through his son, Jesus Christ. And that's what First John is really about. It's not about perfection or here's a standard that you can't attain, but it's about uh, how we do uh, things in this life the best we can at this time until, until the Lord comes back or we're taken home. So... Last Sunday, Owen concentrated on the first seven verses in 1 John chapter 2. And that really continued the theme of the reality of our sin nature. And that was similar to Ray's previous teaching the Sunday before in the, in the second half of 1 John chapter 1. John speaks in very direct and simple terms. Um, they're not clouded in theology and they're not expanded upon in a gradual development. <clears throat> they're very direct and to the point, uh, this repetitive directness is what makes his teaching so difficult to deliver or to hear. And I think that's why that passage in, uh, that I looked at this morning in the Old Testament came to mind. Um, so we can choose to live in sin and darkness, or we can seek forgiveness through Christ and live in obedience and light. Uh, there's no sitting on the fence, and there's no trying to live in both worlds. As uh, a man who brought a message one time uh, put a finer point on it, he said, there's no sitting on the fence because the fence belongs to Satan. And so uh, we, can't, we can't live in both worlds, and that's what John is, John is teaching us here. Um, however, <clears throat> when we fail, it's not the end or an excuse to uh, sit on the fence. We need to repent. And we need to seek cleansing again through Jesus and then return to living in obedience and light. One commentator described John's teaching as being at a child's level, which really leaves us no excuse. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, 
chapter 2 starts with the term, my little children. And so uh, as we look today at the new and old commandment that John, John is going to uh, lead us into, he's also going to bring us back to the simple but again difficult conclusion that our actions demonstrate that we're either living in light or we're living in darkness. Um, for today, uh, today's expository message, we're going to go verse by verse, is centered on a group of verses. Uh, they're presented in context, but it's subject to errors being contributed by me. So as we systematically approach this passage, uh, we're not going to skip any verses. Please be Bereans, and as, we've, as you've heard many times from this pulpit, the Bereans were commended for their actions in Acts 17, verses 10 through 11. Um, the, at the end of verse 11, the Bereans are commended because it said they examined the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. So they were looking at the teachings that were being delivered to them, were comparing them against the word to see if they were correct. And that's the approach we need to follow. So let's go into our passage uh, we're going to look at today. It's 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. And we're going to read through this passage, and then we're going to look at the verses uh, uh, in, uh, individually as we uh, in context. Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have heard from which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says that he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother and remains in the light, there is nothing in him to cause stumbling. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Lord, we just pray as we go into this passage and look at it that you would uh, teach us, you would instruct us. Pray you'd move me out of the way, Lord, and you'd speak what you want brought out this morning and you'd awaken in the minds of all that are here this morning, Lord, what it is that you, these points that you want brought, brought home. And we would consider these things carefully, Lord, and that we would set this time apart. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's look at... Uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 7, the old commandment. <clears throat> we'll reread the verse again. Beloved, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. And this, this might be a little bit obscure or a little mysterious to us because we're not sure what John is talking about. He's actually switched gears from what he had been talking about, and now he's going into this teaching about old and new commandments. <laughs> and it really connects to the previous teaching about obeying the commandments. But later in this section, John is going to return to his previous light and dark analogies, and these are not new either because he'd actually discussed these in the past, <coughs> excuse me, the passage Ray had brought in chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. So why does John emphasize that this is an old commandment and is not something new. Old commandments would demonstrate the consistency of Scripture and that they are not obsolete. Uh, this would also certainly resonate with the Jewish-rooted believers that were hearing this message. <clears throat> However, this approach also serves to separate itself from Gnostic teaching 
Gnostic teaching would be new. And that was something that these people that John was writing to, they were being influenced by these Gnostic teachers who were bringing this false teaching about the body, uh, the body being evil, and so you could do whatever you want because the body's inherently evil anyway. So these are new things that are false that were causing some people to stumble. So John is grounding himself in what I'm, what I'm uh, bringing to you now is not new. This is, this is old. This is established. <clears throat> if we follow this context, we see this commandment is revealed in verse 10 to love our brother. And we'll get there when we get to that particular verse. So this old commandment is actually based in the Mosaic law, and we find it in Leviticus. Uh, it's in Leviticus 19, verses 17 through 18. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. <clears throat> and notice at that, uh, the end of those two verses in Leviticus, the stamp that God puts on there, I am the Lord. This is, this is serious teaching and something that needed to be paid attention to and that uh, draws our attention to this as well. This aspect of, <clears throat> excuse me, of love is not something new. <clears throat> so this is the foundation for John's teaching but let's move on to verse 8 to continue developing context on this teaching. 1 John chapter 2, verse 8. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So now we see this aspect of a new commandment being introduced. <clears throat> and we might not quite understand the opening phrase, on the other hand, I'm writing a new commandment to you. The uh, phrase or word that's translated on the other hand could also be translated as again. And so you might look at this passage as saying, again, I'm writing a new commandment. So John is drawing an emphasis on this, on this aspect. But we could also look at this and see that, well, it seems like John's engaging in doublespeak because he said it's an old commandment. Now he's saying it's a new commandment. And doublespeak is that thing of things being in opposition to each other, such as war is peace. It almost seems like John might be doing that in this verse because he's describing the old commandment as a new written commandment. But rather than being doublespeak, John is demonstrating the harmony and con continuity of God's word. And we, uh, we looked at the harmony of God's word when we looked at an introduction to 1 John. The Bible is perfect. It always meshes and connects, connects together. So John' teaching of this new commandment is really Jesus' teaching. And we're going to, uh, if you'll turn to uh, the Gospel of John, we're going to look at uh, three places in the Gospel of John, beginning in John 13. But John uh, recorded Jesus' teaching of this new commandment. And that's why he uses the words in verse 8 of, which is true in him, and the him is capitalized, that's referring to Jesus, to the Lord. And we see this in the Gospel of John, chapter 13. We're going to look at verses 34 and 35. John 13, 
34. I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another, just as I have loved that you also love one another. Verse 35. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So that's the first instance in the Gospel of John. And these are Jesus' words that are recorded here. The next is in John chapter 15. So just flip over a page or a couple pages. John 15, verses 12 and 13. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that a person will lay down, lay down his life for his friends. And a third time this teaching is in John chapter 15. This I command you, sorry, John chapter 15, verses 17 and 18. I'll give you a minute to turn there. John 15, verse 17. This I command you, that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. So these three commands from Jesus, um, we see three different outcomes um, from those. In the uh, first instance, it demonstrates that we are followers of Christ. Love, in the second instance, shows that self-sacrifice is the greatest uh, illustration of love. And then lastly, in John chapter 15, 17, and 18, we show love, but the world demonstrates hate towards us, which uh, doesn't seem fair, but uh, that's, that's the way it is as a believer. And that really, that last scripture is an example of light and darkness. And it's a more direct example of, as John, as John said in 1 John, the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. And we can see this further developed in, in Jesus' teaching in Matthew. It's Matthew chapter 5, if you would like to turn there. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48, so it's a little bit longer passage. <clears throat> Matthew 5, beginning in verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Verse 45, so that you may prove yourselves to be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Even the tax collectors, do they not do the same? And if you greet only your brother, brothers, what more, what more are you doing than others? Even the Gentiles, do they not do the same? Therefore, you shall be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So we see this is how we achieve perfection. It's not through, not through what we do or what our actions are, but by, by showing love and following, following the scripture. So we see this new commandment that John is talking about back in 1 John is actually not a new commandment, is it? It's from Jesus. It's new as in it's part of, part of Jesus' teaching. But John is uh, he's repeating what, what he heard the Lord Jesus himself say. 
And this would be in stark contrast to the Gnostic teaching that these people had been exposed to, which would be, it's only man-centered, so it can only be so, it can only be so good, which is not very good at all. So let's move on in 1 John to verses 9 through 10, and we're going to look at that pair of uh, verses because they're linked together, and we're going to look at them together. So if we'll go back to 1 John chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. And these verses really are about uh, saying it doesn't make it so. Verse 9, the one who says that he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother remains in the light and there is nothing in him to cause stumbling. So verse 9 is, uh, is an example really of sitting on the fence or of the double-minded man described in James chapter 1 verse 8. This individual wants to be walking with Jesus, but their actions are contrary to scripture. Gill describes this behavior in, your com in his commentary, and bear with me, this is a little longer passage, and also keep in mind, this is commentary, not scripture. Wherefore, let a man's profession of light be what it will. If love to his brother is wanting, he is in darkness even until now. He is in a state of nature and unregeneracy, which is a state of darkness and ignorance. He is under the power of darkness and in the kingdom of Satan, who is the ruler of darkness of this world. He ever was so from his birth. He never was called nor delivered out of it, but is still in it to this very moment and so remains. This seems to be very much leveled against the Jews who make hatred of their brother, in some cases lawful, for they say, and this is a quote from the Torah, if one man observes sin in another and reproves him for it, and he does not see, receive his reproof, it is lawful to hate him. So here we see in the, in the Jewish law, uh, they've actually gone contrary to God's word, haven't they? And that's, that's quoted from uh, the uh, Torah, that's negative teaching number five. So the, just a, a little bit of a rabbit trail. The Talmud uh, says that there are 613 commandments in the Torah, 248 positive commandments, which are do's, and 365 negative commandments and do nots. And so this is one of those negative commandments. And a lot of these laws, the 613 laws, came about in the period between uh, John the Baptist and the ending of the writings in the Old Testament, where the, um, like our nation does, we go into overtime writing, writing new laws. Well, that's what the Jews did. They were writing, writing all these new laws, including they were writing laws that were contrary to Scripture, because it's not lawful to hate someone, even if they do not receive reproof. So let's move away from that commentary, though, and also consider the term brother does not limit this only to biological relationships or men. This is a, this is a generic term that's used to describe um, people. Uh, some of the translations have inserted brothers and sisters in here to try, try and bring that, bring that more clarity to that. And so this is not a limitation because God's the father of all people. So uh, if we think about that, we're all related. We're all brothers. We're all sisters. There's no, uh, no limitation to this commandment about love. So verse 10 shows the mindset of someone who's following uh, scriptural principles. 
among the benefits of that mindset is there's nothing to cause stumbling or falling into sin. And we see that uh, rereading the last half, and there is nothing in him to cause stumbling. So if you're walking in love, you're removing, uh, you're removing a lot of obstacles from before yourself that you could stumble over. So John's, uh, John's teaching in this, he's showing us, he's contrasting these things in these two verses and showing us the benefits of being in this positive aspect of walking in the light. But the section closes in verse 11 with a warning about being in darkness. And that's in uh, verse 11. In this we see that hate is equal to darkness. Let's reread verse 11, 1 John 2:11. But the one who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So thinking back to verse 9 where it talked about the, you know, the contrast or trying to, live, trying to live in both worlds. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother or sister is in darkness until now. That person is living a lie. And John has said that many times in this passage. Uh, he's called things out. He's very direct about things. Um, this is their actual state. That person in verse 9 who thinks they're walking in the light, but they're actually in darkness. This is their state, and that's what he's revealing. This person, as we see in the verse, is spiritually blind, and they're literally lost and groping around in the dark. Um, and they're at risk, unlike the previous verse, where there's no risk of stumbling. I mean, not to be too obvious about this, but what happens if you're walking around in the darkness? You're going to fall over things. You're going to stumble. <clears throat> so much worse in the spiritual realm, if you're in spiritual darkness, you're going to stumble over things that are going to uh, uh, take you away from the Lord. So embracing this lifestyle, because we see this, this uh, term of walking in darkness means you're pra that's, that's being practiced by this individual. They're living this. It's not just, it's not, a, it's not a sin that's been repented from. It's a lifestyle of being in darkness. And so it's resulted in disastrous consequences. And so as we stop for today, let's consider what would be the end for such a person. Uh, as we close, it's humbling to think about the simplicity of this message. Uh, John has made this, as the commentator said, at a child's level, so we have no excuse for not understanding what he's, what he's bringing out in it. But it's in our nature to uh, rationalize or justify our behaviors, isn't it? Uh, John shows us that it's not about what we think or say, it's about our actions. And so our actions show whether we're obedient to Scripture, and it also shows the state of our heart. Lord, we thank you for this time we had in your word, Lord, and just pray you would uh, just teach us through, God, through John's words, Lord, these things that they hurt, Lord. Uh, they're very direct. They get to the point, and they show there is no middle ground. There's, there's only you or darkness, Lord. And uh, may we desire your light and do those things, Lord, that please you and move towards you. And we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.